All right, um, if you want to turn your Bible somewhere, we'll be in Luke 15. We're ending a three-week series called Sons, Not Servants. And this week is the, a message called The Shoes of Sonship. So we've talked about the three gifts that the father, two of the gifts, uh, Luke 15, verse 22, the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. We talked about the robe of righteousness put a ring on his hand. We've talked about the ring of authority and shoes on his feet. So we're going to talk about the shoes of sonship this week. Now, most messages, I kind of like to let you know this because some of you um, think this way and some of you don't, but some of you do. And so if you do think this way, uh, the way I think, I guess, uh, which is not always the right way to think, this is probably too much explanation for this, but <laughs> this is why I think this way. Uh, which my wife says is a goofy way to think. But anyway, I normally have three points. This is why I'm telling you. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. I normally have three points. I only have two today. So just don't want to mess up your cadence, okay? But the second one lasts twice as long. So it'll all work out in the end. Uh, I'll still be able to cover all the material in the three short hours that we have left. Okay, all right. <clears throat> I'm joking if it's your first time. <laughs> don't, don't leave, okay? So... We're going to talk about what shoes represent in the Bible. That's what I did with the ring. I went back and looked at what it represents in the Bible. That's what we did with the robe. So we're going to do the same thing with shoes. But before I can tell you what shoes represent, I'm going to tell you what taking shoes off represents so that we'll be able to understand what shoes represent, all right? So the first point is take your shoes off. Now, uh, you, don't, you don't have to do that right now. You can, can, can I guess, if you want to, if, you're, if you've got you know, some sort of foot powder on or something. But um, number one is take your shoes off. So what would that represent in the Bible? Shoes represent rights. So when we talk about the shoes of sonship, the father was giving the prodigal son back his rights as a son. The son was actually saying, I don't, belong, don't deserve rights of a son. Just make me like a hired servant. He was saying, no, you, you still have the rights of sonship. That's what it is. But when you took your shoes off in the Bible, it meant that you were giving up your rights. And I'm going to show you a couple of places, but there's a story, uh, the famous love story in the Bible, Boaz and Ruth. And Boaz wants to marry Ruth. But there's a kinsman that's nearer in line called the near kinsman redeemer, which represents Christ, by the way. So the near kinsman redeemer, so Boaz goes and talks to him and says, I want to marry her, if you're, but you're first in line. Will you marry her? And he said, no, I'm not going to. So this is what he does. So let me just show you. Ruth 4, verse 7. So now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning ex redeeming and exchanging. Now, this really just jumped at me, so I just want to just mention this, that Christ has redeemed us, and we have exchanged our sin for his righteousness. But this is the custom to confirm redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was a confirmation in Israel. So what was this a confirmation of? It's a confirmation of that he was giving up his right, that he had the right 
to marry Ruth, but he was giving up his rights. But the way that you confirmed that you were giving up your rights was that you took your shoes off. You see that? Now, let me go back in Deuteronomy and show you what the law said about this. Deuteronomy 25. This would be if a, if a, a, a man dies and he doesn't have an heir, then the brother of that man was to marry his widow so that she would have an heir, okay? But what if he doesn't want to marry her? So this is what Deuteronomy 25 tells us, verse seven. But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, my husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform, he will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Now, uh, we're gonna read verse eight, but personally I see humor in the Bible that a lot of people don't see. And I see that God wrote the Bible because he knew about humans. So watch how this, I just, just think about this conversation, all right? Verse eight, then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. You, you need to marry the woman. That's what the law says, you need to marry her. But if he stands firm and says, I don't want the woman. <laughs> I don't want to take her. I just wonder how some of these conversations went. Have you met her? <laughs> she's mean. She's, she scares me. I'm scared of her. You know, I don't know. And ladies, I'm not making fun here of, of ladies because think about the lady. She could feel the same way. <laughs> Have you seen him? I mean, he's ugly. You know, he's, I, don't, I don't want to marry my husband's brother. That's why I chose my husband. He was the good looking one, you know? So I just, God puts all these things in here because he knows humans, okay? All right, so. But if he stands firm and says, I don't want her, verse nine, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot. See, he's giving up the right of redemption. Spit in his face. So she gets a little bit of redemption herself. <laughs> and say, answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel. She gets a little more redemption here. The house of him who had his sandal removed. That's his name now. I mean, come on, to me, see, we just don't think about these things. Think about two, three years later, he goes in for a mortgage. <laughs> and they say, okay, let's get the mortgage application filled out here. What's your first name? <laughs> the. <laughs> the, T-H-E, the, yeah. Uh, and your last name? Removed. <laughs> Your last name is Removed, yeah. Okay, you might want to give us the full name then. The house of him who had his sandal removed. You just wonder if they go, oh. <laughs> What'd she look like? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Okay. Sorry. 
But there it is in scripture. See, I'm trying to find out what shoes represent. Well, when you take your shoes off, it means you give up your rights. Okay, so I just want you to think because a lot of people don't realize there are meanings to all these things in the Bible. So let me just remind you then, if taking off your shoes means giving up your rights, let me remind you of a very famous story that all of you know of a conversation that a guy named Moses had with God at a burning bush. And what's the first thing that God said to him? Take your shoes off. The place where you stand is holy. You want to talk to me? You give up all your rights. You, you, you come to me with no rights. You give it all up if you want to talk to me. Same thing happens to Joshua. Remember? They go into the promised land. They're about to take Jericho, the first city. He goes up on a hill. And he sees a guy with a sword. Joshua 5, verse 13. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I now have come. I'm the commander. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. Joshua did so. Here's what he said. I'm the commander of the army. Will you give up your rights? There was no way Israel could have defeated Jericho. By the way, you read right after this. This is that the man is Jesus and he gives him the plan to walk around the city seven times for seven days. That's where he gets the plan from this guy right here, who's Jesus. Because it says, then says, then the Lord said to him. And the Lord, we know, is the commander of the army. I actually love his answer also. He said, are you for us or for them? He said, no. <laughs> no. No. It's kind of like, you know, they've been trained to ask you, do you want fries or an apple pie with that? And the correct answer, by the way, is yes. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> it's no. <laughs> no, I don't want fries and apple pie with my salad with grilled chicken, please. <clears throat> See, here's what the, Jesus is saying to Joshua. I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. I'm not here for, to get on your side, Joshua. I'm here to see if you'll get on my side. If you get on my side, everything will be okay. But I'm not here to serve in your army. I'm the commander. Now, you can serve in my army or not, but if you serve in my army, you give up all your rights. And you take your shoes off. Are you, everyone follow me? So first of all, before we talk about what the shoes putting your shoes back on the prodigal son. We've got to know what they represent. They represent rights. And you've got to take them off first. So number one is take your shoes off. Here's number two, put your shoes back on. Now, you say, what do you mean? I'm talking about the rights of sonship. Not what you can do on your own. Not what you've earned. 
Not how smart you are, not how great you are, but the rights of being a son or a daughter of God. Because Moses and Joshua put their shoes back on and led the people of Israel. But they led the people of Israel under God. So God has something for you to do, and he gives you rights as a son and as a daughter. Now, the rights are actually too many to name, but I'm going to sum them up in just a moment by going back to Luke 15. But I'll give you a few of the rights that you can just see through Scripture. One is power to share the gospel. You know, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 1, you receive power to be witnesses. And Ephesians 6 says that part of our armor is to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So part of a, a right of being a son or daughter is to be able to share the gospel, to prepare yourself. It's part of your armor. Another be authority over the enemy. Behold, I gave you authority over the, uh, over the enemy to tread on serpents and scorpions. Okay, if you're going to walk on snakes, you want shoes on. Snake-proof boots, you know. <laughs> so the authority would be one. And obviously, again, when you look through these, another one's freedom. When you go through the Bible, Second Chronicles 28, Israel actually took some of the children of Judah captive. First thing they did, though, was they took their shoes off. A prophet comes along and says, you guys have sinned. The Lord has seen it. And if you take them as your servants, if you, if you go keep going with this, you're going to bring uh, the wrath of God against you. And so they restored them, but they gave their shoes back. So it represents freedom. So, All right, so there are several things, but I want to go back to, to Luke 15 and, and just sum up what the rights are and bring in another part. And actually, I'm going to kind of end the series here and I'm going to bring it back to my original burden that the Lord gave me, that we are sons, not servants. And it, everyone talks about the prodigal son. It's the, it's the prodigal son. And it is the prodigal son. But Jesus tells this story. It's a parable. Parable uh, comes from parabole, the Greek word. Uh, para means alongside. The Holy Spirit walks alongside us. Bole is to throw. What Jesus would do is he would throw a story alongside a truth so you could understand the truth. That's what a parable is, okay? So he's the one that tells us the parable of the prodigal son. But there are two sons. Why did he put two sons in the story? And that it's a big thing. And remember, the father gives him a robe, a ring, and shoes, and throws a party for him. And the son, the older son, then it tells us what he does. He won't come into the party. Now, this is really important for us to, to catch this. Uh, verse 25, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he, that's the older brother, was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his, serv his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. Remember, we're sons, not servants. I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Now, first of all, that's a lie. Because we're all sinners, and we all fall short. He wasn't the perfect son. This is what, no, there's only one perfect son. His name is Jesus. And so we know that's light. The other thing is that I may, and then he says, and you never even gave me a young goat. Now, that's a lie because you go back to the beginning, and it says the father divided the both sons his inheritance. 
And because he was the firstborn, he got twice as much. But you never gave me one goat. No, I gave you thousands of goats. That I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, son, remember I, he said, I've been serving. As soon as this son of yours comes, he who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Let me just sum up the rights of sons and daughters, all right? It's the presence and the provision of God. It's the presence and the provision of God. And all these other, every, everything we could look through the scripture to find about shoes will be summed up in what the father said to him. You're always with me. You're always with me. You have me. You have me. And all that I have is yours. But why does Jesus even bring the older son into it? Because he tells three parables. He tells a parable of a lost coin. A woman had 10 coins, lost one, searched the house diligently, found it diligently, and then found it. She called all her friends together and had a party. And he said, there's joy in heaven when one sinner repents. Then he tells about a lost sheep. A shepherd has 100 sheep. He loses one. He leaves 99. He goes and finds that sheep, puts it on his shoulders, brings it back, calls all the his friends together. They have a party. He says, there's joy in heaven when one sinner repents. Then he tells about the, the prodigal son. And he says, and the father throws a party for him. But why does he, he even tell us about the older son? Well, you got to go back to why he even told the, the parable in the first place. And this is how I know right now it's not sounding like I'm bringing it all together, but in a moment I'm, it's, you're going to see it's going to all come together. When I say my burden for this series, I mean the burden, the Lord's burden. The Lord wants us to catch this. We are sons, not servants. Why does he even tell this? Why does he even tell this parable? It's in the first part of Luke 15. Verse one, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Just notice that the Bible always puts tax collectors with sinners. Just want you to, <clears throat> just want you to notice that. <clears throat> and the Pharisees and scribes complained saying, now again, sometimes words just jump out at me. This man receives sinners. See the two words, receive sinners. Okay, you, you ought to just, you might even want to just say it out loud right now. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that you receive sinners. That means I got to be received and you got to be received. It's good he received sinners, but that's what they were mad about. He receives sinners and he even eats with them. So, so, or in other words, because of this is what so means. Because of this, he, Jesus, spoke this parable to them saying, so why is he doing it? He, he's telling us these three parables, which are all one parable, actually, according to the Bible, to show us how much the father loves to recover stolen kids. That's one reason. The second reason is he's showing us that it's all grace and not works. Now, I know you're thinking, I, I don't understand that. I want you to think about how much of a battle that Jesus had constantly with the Pharisees. Constantly. And how many parables he told to try to explain to them, guys, it's not works, it's grace. It's grace. So he comes to earth and he hangs out with sinners. And by the way, sinners love hanging out with him. 
They loved it because he wasn't holier than thou, although he was holier than thou, than everyone. But he didn't act that way. So he hangs out with them, and the Pharisees get all mad about it. Why? Please hear me. Because they felt they had earned their relationship with God. And the sinners haven't earned it. So he tells all these parables over and over. And he tells this one. I mean, the the older son has got to represent the Pharisees here. And the prodigal represents the sinners. Because he says the Pharisees were mad because this man receives sinners and eats with them. And he says, yeah. Let me tell you about my father. He gets excited when one sinner comes home. But let me tell you about you. You're the older brother that says, I've been serving you all this time, but you've never even given me one goat. And the father says, all that I have is yours. And yet you're mad because I'm giving attention to a sinner that came home. That's what y'all are mad at. Again, think about all the parables. Jesus tells about the, the Pharisee and the sinner that go into church. And the Pharisee prays, looks over at the sinner and prays and says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. That's his prayer. I'm not like others. I thank you for that. The sinner, it says, won't even lift up his head, but beats on his chest and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man goes home justified. That means right with God rather than the other. And all these, all these, all these things he tells, he tells about the workers that join working in the field late. He tells that a guy goes out and he hires people at the start of the day. That's 6 a.m. And then in the third hour, that would be 9 a.m., because the day started at 6, he hires some more. In the sixth hour, that's noon, he hires more. In the ninth hour, he hires more. That's 3 p.m. And then in the 11th hour, that's 5 p.m., and the day ended at 6 p.m., sunset. You work from sunrise to sunset. And he said, and then at the 11th hour, he hires some more workers. And then when he got ready to pay them, he says to the 11th hour workers, he gave them a day's wage. So the guys that got hired at the first of the day said, well, if he's going to pay them a day's wage and they only worked one hour, wonder what he's going to give us. And when he got to them, he gave them a day's wage and they got mad about it. And he said, why are you mad? This is exactly what I agreed. This is what they said. They said, because you're making them equal to us. That's why we're mad. They only worked one hour. We worked the whole day. By your pay, you're making them equal to us. Think about this. This is exactly the way Pharisees feel. But we've worked harder. And Jesus is saying, yeah, but you get the same thing, forgiveness for all your sins and eternity in heaven. You get the same thing as the guy that comes in at the 11th hour. But they felt like they had earned it. They felt like they deserved it. There's a self-righteousness to servants. See, if you remember when we, when the thing that jumped out at me in this parable uh, that I never seen, never, and I'm, I'm, again, I've been preaching for all these years, never seen it was this word. Let me go back where we started. Luke 15, verse 17, told about the prodigal son. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants? I'd never seen the word hired. As a matter of fact, when I said, I'm going to do this series, sons, not servants, I submit it to a creative team. And many times they'll give me a better title. You know, that may, that as long as it captures my burden, one was a suggestion was sons, not slaves. And I said, no, it's not my burden. My burden is not talking about a slave. 
because a slave doesn't get paid. My burden is talking about a servant, a hired servant. And I knew there was something in that word hired and I couldn't figure it out. And he, even the son later says, you know, just, I'm not worthy to be called a son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Okay, here's, here's what you, here's the, here's the whole, the whole thing came together for me this week. Here's how it came together. A hired servant is an employee. He's hired. So when he gets his paycheck, he's earned it. I mean, I, I hope he has. Now, maybe he goofed off, but an employee, when he gets a paycheck, he's earned it. He worked and he got it. But that's not what we are. We're not hired servants. We don't earn it with Jesus. We're sons and daughters, and it's a free gift from the Father. That's the difference, and that's what the Pharisees could not stand. They could not handle it with Jesus, that these sinners haven't earned it. That's what they were telling him. And Jesus, over and over and over, parable after parable after parable, said to them, no, they haven't earned it, but you haven't either. You haven't either. Now, please hear me. If you feel like you have earned your right relationship with God, you will want others to earn it also. And you'll look at others that don't live up to your standard of righteousness, and you'll be critical and judgmental. Let me just say it this way. You're a Pharisee. That's a Pharisaical spirit. I, I do all this stuff. I've been living right, doing the right thing, going to church, giving tithing, doing all that stuff, praying, leading the group. And here this guy comes in and just got saved and he's getting all this attention. But I earned it. See, are you following? If you feel like you've earned your relationship with God, you'll want others to earn their relationship with God because you feel like you earned it. But let me take this a step further. If you feel like you've earned right relationship with God, you'll make others earn right relationship with you. And if they don't act the way you want them to act, you'll give them the cold shoulder and the silent treatment until they get the message that they're not acting right. Because you act right and so they need to act right. It's a works-based mentality. Many, many people get this when they're growing up, whether they have good parents, bad parents, uh, Christian parents, non-Christian parents, they grow up feeling like when I act right, my parents love me, and when I don't act right, my parents don't love me. So when I act right as an adult now, God loves me. And when I don't act right, God doesn't love me. I got some news for you. God loves you whether you like it or not. No matter how you act, God loves you. You can never change God's love for you. Jesus shows up in a world of rules and regulations, of rule keeping and regulation following, and blows their minds. That's why the Pharisees got so mad at him and said, not about keeping the rules. It's about the Father loves you. And he loves you so much, he's gonna give you a free gift. And it's available to anybody. And they couldn't stand it. And you can't imagine how many people that I, I watch them, 
I watch them. And if people around them don't act the way they want them to act, they get really mad at them. Because they feel like that they've earned right relationship with God, so you need to earn a right relationship with me. It's completely works, not grace. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, no, this is, this is, this is the Lord's burden for our whole church. This is the whole series. This is why I spent three weeks on this. We are sons and daughters completely, totally by grace. Totally by grace. We are not hired servants. We're not employees and God doesn't owe us anything. It's all by grace. I've I've watched myself go through this And I want you to think about the prodigal son now. We're going to wrap it up. The prodigal son says, I'm not worthy. And here, so don't treat me as a son. Just treat me as a hired servant. And the the father says, nope, you're getting all these gifts anyway, because you are a son. You're not a hired servant. Okay. But what did the prodigal son have to do? He had to give up his rights. He had to say, I give up all my rights as a son. I give up my rights. And the father gives them back to him then. But he had to give up his rights. Now, again, there are three parables. And there's one major difference. There's a parable of a coin, a sheep, and a son. But in the coin, the woman looks for the coin until she finds it. And then she finds it and puts it back in her collection. The sheep, the shepherd goes out, gets the sheep, puts it on his shoulders and brings it back. But the son, the father waits for the son to come home. Why? Because the son is a human who has a will and has to make his own decision to give up his rights. He's not a coin and he's not an animal. So even though God loves you and he's standing on the porch, you'll have to make the decision to give up your rights. Once you do, then the father is always with you and all that he has is yours. But you have to give up your rights and you have to keep giving up your rights. You don't just do it one time. Remember, Paul said, I die daily. You gotta keep giving up your rights. So um, a while back, Uh, I felt like this guy did me wrong and the Lord spoke to me in my quiet time one day and said, "Um, I need you to forgive him. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I need to forgive him. But what he did was wrong. And this, this just, this not long ago, okay? It's not long. It's just a few months ago. I said, well, what he did was wrong, Lord. And the Lord said, yeah, yeah, he was wrong, Uh, but you need to forgive him. And so I made, I, now you got to understand, I talk to God like, I just talk to him like I'm talking to you. And he, he talks to me, at least I think, that's the way I feel, that he just talks to me straight out like this, you know. So I said, well, um, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'll forgive him, but I do have the right to be mad at him. <laughs> and the Lord said to me, no, you don't. And I said, yes, I do. And the Lord said, no, you don't. And I said, yes, I do. I know I need to forgive him, but I can be angry. And the Lord said, no, you can't. 
I said, yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. So I said to the Lord, the Bible says. <laughs> just, just a few months ago, by the way. The Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. So I'll forgive him because I have to forgive him. But according to the Bible, I have the right to be angry. And the Lord said to me, you want to quote the Bible? You want, you want to quote the Bible? He said, all right, I'll tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says you've been crucified with Christ. The Bible says it's not you who lives anymore, but Christ lives through you. And you can't be angry at him because you're dead and I'm living through you and I'm not angry at him. He said, I think you uh, gave up all your rights when you became a Christian. And you died, you were crucified with Christ. And you don't, you're not even alive anymore. I'm living through you. And I'm trying to live and love through you. And I'm not angry, so you can't be angry. So the Lord and I, literally, we laughed for a moment. I said, yeah, okay, all right. You're right. Stupid thing, quote the Bible to God. <laughs> and then the Lord even reminded me, he said, and by the way, the verse you quoted me, what's the rest of it say? It says, be angry and do not sin, Ephesians 4, 26, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So I said, the Lord, so I can't be angry until the sun goes down today, right? <laughs> and the Lord actually said, yes, you can. You can be angry, but before the sun goes down, you can't be angry anymore. And so we're laughing and all. But then I thought about that statement. He said, you can't be angry at him because I'm not angry at him. Now listen to me. So I said to the Lord, okay, I want to ask you something. I mean, you know what he did was wrong, right? So... Why aren't you angry at him for what he did to me? Why aren't you? Listen to what he said. He said, the reason I'm not angry at him is because I'm not angry at you. And you put my son on the cross. Your sin put my son on the cross. And I'm not angry at you anymore. All, everybody's sin put my son on the cross. And I'm not angry at anybody anymore. And the guy you're mad at, he's my son too. And I'm not mad anymore. So you can't be mad anymore. It's by grace. It's not my works. It's a gift. It's not earned. Salvation is not a goal to achieve. It's a gift to receive. We're sons, not servants. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to think about an area of your life right now. Every week I say, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? But I feel like God told me to close this way today. An area of your life where you need to give up your rights. 
And I really think that God's going to speak to a lot of us in area of relationships. Like I was mad at this guy. Maybe you're mad at someone and you kind of cut them off. You know, give them the silent treatment. Let them know their behavior is not up to par. Unforgiveness is probably the number one stronghold in believers. So just, I, I don't know though, it might not be anything like that. I just want you to think about an area of your life where you need to give up your rights. And I just want you to think about it. You don't need to do this literally, but you might think about it even tonight when you take your shoes off or tomorrow when you put your shoes on. I just want you at some point to tell the Lord, Lord, in this area, I'm giving up my rights. And in every area of my life, I'm going to give up my rights. I'm a son. I understand that you give me shoes of sonship. And those shoes mean that you're going to always be with me and all that you have is mine. But I'm going to give up my right to be angry. I'm going to give up my right to this, my right to that. I'm going to give up my rights. But I am going to receive the shoes of sonship and daughterhood.